Hey friends, I'm Becky Davidson, host of the Rising Above Ministries podcast, where we share stories of hope, inspiration, and encouragement from special needs families from around the world. And I'm so excited today to get to share a conversation that I had recently with my sweet friend, Rosie Howes. Rosie and her family have been part of our Rising Above family for several years, and we have been so blessed to be able to walk with them through many of the joys and also the trials that they have faced as a special needs family. And last summer, Joe and Rosie's sweet son, Hiram, passed away. And so they have been learning over this past year how to navigate life without Hiram. You know, we have several of our Rising Above families who have lost a child with special needs recently. And so we see the need to create a space for them to be able to come together and to have a place to share their stories and encourage each other. So at the end of this episode, Rosie and I will be talking about a new Rising Above community group that's going to be starting on June 15th for parents who have lost a child with special needs. So be sure to stay tuned all the way to the end to hear about that group. And also, please let any parent that you know of who has lost a child, let them know about this group so they can join in with these other families and be encouraged. Now, I know that you are going to be so inspired when you hear Rosie's story. So here's my conversation that I have with my friend, Rosie Howes. Hi, friend. Thank you so much, Rosie, for joining me for the Rising Above podcast today. I am excited to get to share part of your story and just kind of about our friendship as well. So thanks for being here today. I'm excited to be here. I have loved Rising Above for years now, and they've been a big part of our life. So now it's nice to kind of, you know, have a chance to give back a little bit. Well, I was thinking this afternoon about the first time I saw you and it was at the rising above fall festival back. I don't even know how many years ago that would have been. You, you had just moved to Cookville. So yeah, that would have been six years. I know Daisy was a baby. She was a baby. (laughs) She was you know, just a couple months old. So maybe six years ago. Wow. Well, I remember meeting you at that event and I was just so amazed because there you are, this young mom, you've got your newborn baby strapped to you and then you're pushing Hiram in a chair, but you are out there doing every event, everything, you know, that, that you could do with your family. And it was, you were just such an inspiration from the first time I met you. I remember that. I remember thinking like, Oh, I'll, like we didn't know anybody when we first got there and as soon as we like crossed the little road the gravel road and I'm off-roading with Hiram in his wheelchair so many people just came up and offered to help push and um, grab food or help get us from one place to another and is a very welcoming place and accessible like uh, you wouldn't think a farm would be accessible but you know they had worked hard hayride and all of that was so great it was great and you know you became part of our rising family at that moment and then you and I uh, it developed a sweet friendship over the years and um, I'm just so grateful that you're in my life and, and that our paths crossed all those years ago. But I would love for you just to get to share some of your story um, and go back as far as you want to go and just let people know about you and your family and kind of some of the hard things that you've had to go through 
especially this past year? Yeah. Um, well, I have two kids. Um, my firstborn, I had when I was really young, I had him when I was 21. Um, and at the 20 week ultrasound, you know, that anatomy ultrasound, we're excited. We're, you know, about to find out the gender, what are we having? And, you know, tutus and hair bows are going through my mind and baseball and football is going through my husband's mind. And we found out he was a boy and, you know, we're both excited, but then, um, the ultrasound tech got really quiet and she said she needed to go get a doctor. And I just remember like the sick feeling in my stomach that something was wrong. You know, all of our dreams in two seconds that we had for this little boy, um, just kind of went out the window. The doctor came in and, and started to look and said, you know, we see, um, that this baby has an intracranial hemorrhage His there's a brain bleed and we're going to need you to come back in the morning for an MRI so we can see more of what's going on with the baby. And from that next morning, like that was when our, our roller coaster of a medically complex life started. Um, they weren't able to tell us a whole lot, but there was a whole lot. I remember being, you know, only 21. The only medical experience I had was like a neosporin and a bandaid. Right. So all these words that, you know, intracranial and hemorrhage and neurology and neurosurgery, all these big, scary words, you know, that I didn't know anything about was just hitting me. And I remember Mm -hmm. it was like the scariest time of my life. Um, I wasn't a kid person to begin with. I had never been very <laughs> friendly. Yeah. Never knew how to interact with them. So I was nervous to be a first time mom anyway. with a healthy child, yeah. much less an unhealthy child. And um, we, uh, you know, of course he was born and that's when everything had a ripple effect. He had his first brain surgery when he was three months old and then developed epilepsy. Um, He couldn't eat on his own. He would silently aspirate. So he developed lung issues and um, was feeding tube dependent, wheelchair dependent, just about everything that Mm -hmm. could go wrong went wrong. So um, those first years especially were um, the hardest years, you know, just trying to adjust to that life. Yeah. You know, so many of our, our friends and siblings, we have two siblings who had babies within a couple of months as ours, and you get to see them living, you know, that life of a toddler, they're taking their first steps, they're going to the zoo, they're, you know, hitting all these milestones and our, our child wasn't, and it was incredibly difficult to, um, you know, have this baby who's not able to, you know, not doing the things that, you know, these other children are doing those comparisons are so hard, especially when our kids are younger. Yes. Those important milestones, you know, saying mommy and daddy. And, you know, I just felt like we were missing out on so much. And I was so jealous at all the things that he wasn't doing that I feel like looking back, um, I wasn't as appreciative or I didn't enjoy our time as much because we were drowning ourselves in therapy, trying to get him there. I don't feel like I actually took the time to enjoy him as a baby or a toddler 
because we were just trying with everything that we had to get him to, um, you know, do neurotypical child things. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I know those, those early years are especially hard and especially, I know you had lots of hospital stays. You were, you were in and out of the hospital. I know just in the years that I have been part of your life, I mean, multiple stays and not just like quick overnight hospital stays, but like months at a time sometimes. Um, and so that's draining on you as a mom, as you in your marriage. And then your husband, I know was in school at the time too. So trying to navigate all of that, I know was challenging. Yeah, it was, um, exhausting and very isolating. Um, like you said, we did, we lived months at a time at the hospital. They just weren't, you know, quick little checkups or in and out day surgeries. Um, I feel like we spent more time sometimes at the hospital than we did at our house. Like, why are we paying rent or mortgage? You know, we'll live up here on the fifth floor. Yeah, exactly. Um, but um, my husband was in school full time on top of um, having to work multiple jobs to pay the bills. So um, I feel like we became kind of old news to everybody. Mm-hmm. Um, it wasn't, you know, something where everybody rallied around us every hospital stay. It was more of, um, well, they're back in there, yeah. you know, that's just yeah. what they do. And so um, it was really hard to see, you know, friends and family, you know, going on vacations, going to festivals, you know, mm-hmm doing all of these family events and we couldn't do anything, you know, we were just in the hospital. So Rosie, fast forward a couple of years and then you had your sweet little girl, Daisy. So what was it like having Hiram who required so much care in and out of the hospital and then caring for Daisy as well? Well, you know, Daisy wasn't supposed to happen. (laughs) Um, (laughs) Yes. Um, But, you know, looking back um, at the time, I didn't see it, but I could just, it was hard and it was scary. We didn't know really what caused Hiram um, to have that brain bleed. We did all these testings and um, he had all kinds of tests and they just narrowed it down to, he must've just had a stroke in utero. It's just one of those random things that can happen. So I was terrified when I found out I was pregnant, like it's going to happen again. How are we going to manage this? Well, you know, I just feel extremely blessed that she was healthy. I don't think people understand how lucky, how, what a blessing it is to have a healthy child um, and for everything to go smoothly. But um, yeah, you know, Hiram um, required 24 seven care and on top of having a baby, um, you know, I, I feel like maybe my mind blanked out. I don't remember a whole lot of it, but you were surviving. I mean, you were just really early. You were surviving, you know, people came in and out of our lives at the right times Mm -hmm. to help us when we needed it the most. Um, the hardest part was juggling hospital life with a newborn. And there were people, you know, that just knew when I was at my wits end and, that was God. I give all of that to, you know, they, cause they would just show up and be there to come take the baby out of the ICU room and give me a break 
from one of them, right. you know, um, we took, there were several weeks, um, once again, you know, after a couple of months, it got to be old news. I feel like to everybody. Mm-hmm. And I would go and set up her playpen in the bathroom <laughs> in the ICU, um, being pregnant and sleeping in the chair in the ICU was really hard. I remember, um, I was having a lot of nausea, some of the hospital smells and things. Um, and there would be a nurse who was like, I don't know why, but I picked up this ginger ale before I came in and he wants you to have it. Like, I don't even drink ginger ale. And I'm like, thank you. know. So it's all these little things that was there just like all along the way. Yeah, definitely. I mean, how random is that? Is that this nurse, like who doesn't even drink ginger ale, picked up a ginger ale on her way into her shift. Um, but we got, um, through it like we always do. And Mm -hmm. I think it had, to do with a whole lot of coffee and a whole lot of Jesus. There you go. There you go. <laughs> you know? so, yeah. Um, yeah. And I baby wore her all the time. And eventually as she got bigger, we kind of rigged up a little seat on, on Hiram's footrest. She's the petite. Baby. Yeah. I remember so, that. Yeah. Yeah. Even, um, even in his passing, we gave his chair to another little girl um, who was having difficulties getting a wheelchair covered through insurance. And, as this girl's getting fitted and I'm kind of showing the parents like how to adjust it, Daisy kind of looks over and she's like, wait a minute, that's my spot. And even though this little girl that she didn't know was on there, she kind of like went up and like sat on the footrest, like this is where I go. This is my place. Yeah. Yeah. And you know, the thing that I've always loved over the years has been watching Daisy, how she interacted with Hiram and how, you know, she loved him and loved to play with him. And it was just, that was just part of life, going to the hospital, going to do, you know, being there with his care and his feedings and all that. She just went right along with it and was just so resilient about everything. And it was a beautiful thing to see her interacting with her brother. Yes, I truly believe, you know, God knows what he's doing when he gives um, certain children to certain people. I like, I know that. <laughs> I knew that with Hiram and then with Daisy, this bond that they've always had, um, you know, she played with him like she would play with any typical sibling. I remember, um, you know, I would take, I'd have to take him everywhere in the house with me and I'm cleaning the house. And for a minute, I left his chair in the hallway outside of her room went to answer the phone. And when I came back, she had all of her Barbies lined up on him. And she's like, he's being Moana. And, (laughs) um, you know, just, uh, just how everything came naturally, how she was so interested in, you know, his feeding tube. And that was just what was natural to her. Like she picked up, you know, giving him his water through his, you know, feeding tube and, um, the hospital life, she actually enjoyed it. You know, I, I asked her the other day, I said, you know, what all do you remember about, you know, going to the hospital? Cause she was there so much. Mm-hmm. And she was like, I miss the hospital. Wow. And it's kind of like one of those moments where during that time I stressed so much and I felt so much guilt over her being stuck in a hospital room instead of at the park or at the, you know, playground or play dates. Um, because I was like, this isn't a place for kids to be. And she said, mom, I missed the hospital. That's where we did all kinds of arts and crafts together. 
you know, we got pudding and they had Sprite and, you know, just, um, you know, I remember, you know, they, they brought, um, I like child life, which the child life specialist would bring her toys and mm. bring toys and games. And we'd sit up on the bed and play the fishing game and all this. And she was like, you know, we had a lot of fun family moments in the hospital and just her sweet perspective. Yes, it was such a beautiful perspective of like, that was when we really came together as a family, you know, we were stuck in this little room together. So we had to play board games at Candyland and go fish. And um, she said she missed it for that. And um, that made me feel like I was doing something right all that time when I felt so stressed and so guilty. Like those were some of her favorite moments because we were there together. So, so sweet. Um, Yes, she is definitely meant to be with us. Definitely, mm -hmm. you know, meant to be Hiram's sister. <laughs> and girl. it was a beautiful bond yeah. to watch. And now getting to watch her excitement anytime she sees a child in a wheelchair is mm -hmm. just, you know, the best thing, you know. Be interesting to see what she grows up to do, you know, with, with her life yeah. experience. <laughs> yeah. Well, yeah. so this time last summer, you guys, I know I'll would see post on Facebook, you were having a great summer and you were enjoying being outside with your family and with Hiram and just, he was loving life and share with us. Um, if you can, what happened last, I think it was July. Am I right? It was in July, right? Yeah. So, um, yeah, you know, despite all of Hiram's medical um, issues and hospital stays when we weren't in the hospital we really tried to live life to the fullest and we would do a lot of trips and things but um, you know he it's the little things for Hiram just sitting outside in the sunshine um, we started a garden for the first time and we had me and the kids and my husband we'd all do it together you know COVID had us all at home so we were having a great summer just playing in the blow up pool. We were outside every day and, um, you know, he had been the healthiest and happiest. Um, he had, you know, a long streak of healthy and happy that I was just so grateful for. It was the best summer, you know, we've had in a long while. And, um, it hit us out of nowhere when, um, he woke up happy one morning, it was July 21st. And we did our usual routine. Um, me and my daughter, we got Hiram out of bed and he woke up so happy. Like he was kicking his legs and talking and um, we did our whole little morning, you know, medicine and breathing treatment routine and we're getting ready to, you know, go outside. We had just finished breakfast and um, Hiram looked tired and um, like something wasn't right. And my husband was upstairs um, working and I called him and I said, Hey, come down here. Cause instead of like disconnecting him from his monitors and things, it was easier to get him up out of his chair with my husband. And so my husband came downstairs and um, I took his tray off of his activity chair. We were going to get him up and out of his chair. And I was just going to hold him for a minute. And he just had a grand mal seizure, like out of nowhere. Um, we had a great morning. Um, you know, I, I don't think I panicked, you know, he had these big emergencies come up all the time. They were just, you know, 
our life, this one did have, you know, there was no sign of anything beforehand. Um, but it was great that my husband was like right there by my side, like exactly when it happened. Um, and unlike his other seizures he's had in the past where he would seize for several minutes and after several minutes, then we would really worry. Um, he stopped breathing right away. And so, I mean, we did everything we could. I raced him back to his room and got him on his oxygen and CPAP. And my husband called um, for an ambulance. Um, and we just did everything we could. We did get him stable for a little while at the at our local hospital. Mm -hmm. um, they got a heart uh, a pulse back. And we were transporting him to Children's Vanderbilt, which I thought, okay, you know, his heart rate's back. This is going to be another hospital stay. Mm -hmm. You know, I always had my hospital go bag in the car. <laughs> you know, I just kept it in the car of like a couple of changes of clothes, you know, some shampoo, um, and a toothbrush and phone chargers. And I, you know, remember like thinking like, let me grab my hospital go bag. This is just going to be another long hospital stay. Um, but his heart stopped again. And after 30 minutes, they were unable to get him back. Yeah. So that is where um, one life, well, our entire life, everything we knew about life ended and now started our grief process and trying to to navigate you know what we, yeah. do, now. What we do now you know I will never forget you calling me in the middle of the night that night and um whew, uh telling me the news and you know it's kind of like you know we always it's kind of like when when Jeff would be sick it was always like Jeff always gets better he gets really really sick but he always, it always turns around and Hiram was the same way. Hiram would be so sick and yet he would always, you know, turn around in time if given time. And so when I got that phone call um, in the middle of the night, you tell me that, uh, you know, there's no words, there's no words to say. Um, yeah, I don't even remember calling anybody. Yeah, he's <laughs> like, yeah. A lot of that night is still a blur. Yeah. Um, I do remember like thinking like up until the doctor told me that, um, he wasn't going to survive this. I remember thinking like, okay, this is just a bad one. This is just a bad, mm -hmm. you know, hospital trip. We're going to be here for months. Um, you know, 25 minutes into CPR. And I still thought, you know, yeah. you know, they'll still get it back yeah. at Vanderbilt. They'll get yeah. it back. We're going to have a long hospital stay, long recovery. Yeah. Um, but everything's going to be fine because we've done this before. They've yeah. told me to prepare before. Right. and. I get myself worked up and in a couple of days, he's smiling. So yeah. <laughs> I'm not yeah. going to do it. Yeah. Um, so yeah, that was um, definitely the hardest night of my yeah. life. Yeah. Um, yeah. Well, I remember walking through, especially those first few weeks and months with you. And um, we Marco Poloed a lot <laughs> during that time. And, you know, I think, we talked about this the other day. I remember telling you time and time and time again, I said, I promise you, I know you don't, I know this is not going to make sense now, but I promise you it won't always hurt this bad. 
because it hurts so bad right now, but it won't always hurt this bad. And I have a feeling you wanted to like throw the phone every time I would say that because you couldn't even fathom that at the, at the time. But can you look now where you are and see that that's true, that it does, it, it, it still is so painful, but it doesn't hurt as bad. I, I think there's a part where there will always be this heartache, Yeah, absolutely. but it's survivable now. Mm, um, yeah. you know, it's only been 10 months. I, we still haven't even been a year without him. Um, and there are, yeah, in the beginning it was hard to breathe. Mm-hmm. I felt sick constantly. I con I went and got COVID tested like <laughs> probably 10 times because my body, the heartache, the grief just took this physical toll Mm -hmm. Yeah, that, you know, I always thought that grief was just being really sad, Mm -hmm. but it is the physical pain. Yeah. It is a physical hurt. And, Mm -hmm. um, you know, those first couple of months, I didn't think I was going to survive. There were, there were times where I was like, I am not, yeah, you know, go ahead and buy my plot out there next to his because I'm not surviving this. Yeah. And I Marco to you a lot, you know, I feel like a lot of people, you know, kind of similar to the beginning of his life, a lot of people show up, you know, right off the bat, but then they don't know what to say. Mm-hmm. They, um, they are kind of uncomfortable around grief, you know, losing yeah. a child is everybody's worst nightmare. And so I feel like a lot of people showed up at the beginning and then within a month, it's old news. Yeah. And it took me months to get to where, um, I could go into the grocery store Mm -hmm. and walk past his vitamins or (laughs) without crying or hear a song playing overhead and not cry. Um, so I still have days where, you know, just yesterday out Mm -hmm. in the garden, (laughs) there are moments where, I just miss him so much mm-hmm. and it hurts. It's a physical, it pain. is a physical pain. And, yeah. um, you know, I was, I was actually just talking to a friend, um, Leslie, <laughs> and I was like, you know what? There's so much these days. Um, the doctors, the therapists that I've been to, they offer so many little quick fix you know, just take this pill, just take, you know, this or do that and it'll numb it. You don't have to feel this, this pain anymore. Mm-hmm. And I feel like that pain is what makes me real. Mm-hmm. And I feel like instead of taking the, you know, I, and I'm all for, you know, use of, you know, medications where you need to be. But this pain is what, what reminds me of all that love that we mm, had, you know, that's like, right. yeah. um, and I don't want to be numb to it. I don't want to be numb to my son's memories. Um, I, I feel like the more I've gone through, like the first several months, I really struggled with, um, you know, God, why, you know, mm. why my son and the more I've relied on him, the more I've dove into the Bible, more um, uplifting books, um, spiritual podcasts, the more I've focused more on heaven and God. Mm-hmm. I know that instead of just taking a quick little fix it pill, that I could just give it to God now. And I know that he's what's really carrying me through. Um, <laughs> and he's turning those, those 
painful hard times like the you know the worst night of my life mm -hmm. into good for other people we've been able to help so many people with medical equipment that was Hiram's yeah. um that we made all these payments on for all these years yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, you know As being able one. to like help other people yeah. and I'm like if I just numbed myself to it mm -hmm. um and just avoided everything you know the trigger warnings avoided all the triggers you know I don't think um I would have been able to heal the way I've been able to heal. And, and it's honestly, I seriously, I look at you where you are now, 10 months out. And I look at you where you were in the very, very beginning after his, after he passed away. And I am, well, I'm so proud of you because you could have so easily taken the path of um, despair and the pit and I'm never going to get over this. And, but you chose to, to redefine it. You chose to shift your perspective and you can now, I mean, hearing you talk now just blows me away to hear how God, you have allowed God to use this, to bring healing to you, to bring healing to others. And, you know, of course, one of the biggest highlights of my year last year was actually um, getting to baptize you, you know, what a joy for me to be able to, to be a part of that in your story. And just as, you know, you could have so easily um, just said, God, I'm mad at you. I mean, and I, you and I both, did, you know, when I lost Jeff, believe me, I had my moments of screaming and, and you know, raging <laughs> at God because of what we've been through. And I know you did as well, but we have to shift it. And we have to change it. And now, and now, you know, I'm four years out, you're 10 months out and we can say we have joy in our life. I mean, you and I both, after we've experienced, I've experienced one of the things that, you know, nobody wants to even think about is losing a spouse. You face something nobody ever wants to think about losing a child. And yet we're sitting here having this conversation um, because we've allowed God to heal our hearts. Now that's not to say we had, don't have bad days. There's not, not to say that we're not Marco and each other going, oh my goodness. But the, the bottom line is we have chosen to give that grief to God and allow him to heal our hearts. And you've done a beautiful job of that. Oh, and it, you know, I just felt a tug at my heart to, to find out, you know, like any mom, you know, of a typical or a sick child, you always want to know, you know, what they're doing, where they're at and who they're doing it with. Mm -hmm. And it was, it was killing me to not know like what he's doing mm -hmm. and who he's doing it with. So this tug at my heart to know, um, led me to the Bible. It led me to books about heaven. It, you know, and while doing all those things, while trying to figure out like, okay, who's my son doing things with, you know, like, <laughs> I know he's with God. I know he's just yeah. made, probably Jeff. You I know, was going like, to say, I think he and Jeff are getting into all kinds of trouble. You know? I just so, think they're having a ball. Yes. Yeah, so this drive to know more about heaven and mm -hmm. what he's doing, you know, strengthened my faith in God, you know, like I felt things I, you know, I, I just had this pool, this strongest pool I've ever had to God. And you're right. Like I asked you to baptize me. Cause I was just like, Oh, like how amazing is it that most of the time 
parents teach their kids about God and heaven and the Bible. And for me, it was complete opposite. Like my child was the one who taught me and he worked hand in hand with God to save me. You know, not many parents can say (laughs) that their child is the one who taught them. You're killing me over here, Rosie. This is so good. (laughs) Oh my goodness. Um, And that's how I look at it now. I mean, when I, you know, got back, you know, I accepted Christ in my life a couple years ago, but getting baptized just gave me like an all new like purpose, Mm -hmm. you know, um, to honor God, to honor my son, to, to make sure that, you know, they're proud of me and living that life has been the only way that I've survived this and the only way that I am able to keep going with this pain that is, you know, still lingers, you know, you know, I will never be rid of this pain, Mm -hmm. but it's bearable. And, you know, I have something to look forward to. I have, you know, heaven to look for, you know, it's, it's weird now that I, I don't fear death. I know what's going to happen on the other side. So beautiful. And, you know, I think you and I, we've talked about this before. We have a totally different perspective now when somebody passes away. So like when our friend Tracy passed away about a month ago, I mean, so sad because my friend is not here. However, we're both like a little jealous because we know she's hanging out with Hiram and with Jeff, you know, and, and we know we have this hope. We know, we know that when we die, where we're going, because we have put our faith and our hope in Jesus to save us. And so it's like, well, we know we're going to be in heaven with them soon, sometime soon, you know, and, um, that, that this time that we are away from them, although it is so hard, but it's just a small amount of time compared to spending all eternity with them and they'll be whole and healthy and, you know, we'll be able to do things with them that we have never, were never able to do on earth. And so I think you and I, you know, when you've lost someone dearly that you've dearly loved, um, we just have, we have a different perspective of heaven and long for long to be there. So, yes, you know, if I wasn't a believer, I don't know how I would be surviving Mm this. Um, and like you said, the people who, yes, Tracy, like we love Tracy, we're going to miss her but we are, we're jealous, you know, like she got to see Hiram before I did. She's got to see Jeff before you did. Um, and that's really like how I, how I view death. And that's really how the, the view I should have had on death all this time, Mm -hmm. you know, on, you know, we're going to see Jesus, we're going to be in healthy, perfect bodies. Um, but now having the closest person to me already there, it definitely puts, um, everything into a new perspective it gives you kind of an idea of what the reunion in heaven is going to be like and it's going to be great (laughs) and I cannot wait I cannot wait but you know something um that that's happened over this past year is that we have had several of our rising above families lose a child like you there's been several who have lost children and um we have just felt like we need to create a space for our parents who have 
raised a child with special needs, and then that child has passed away, a place for them to come together and share their experiences, share their heart. Uh, So I'm excited to announce that you are going to be helping start a new online Zoom Connect group for parents um, anywhere around the world who have lost a child. And I'll be part of this with you, but we're going to provide a, a space for families to come together, share their hearts, share what's going on and their grief and walk, have other people who can walk through that with them. And, you know, when I came to you with this idea, we had a great conversation. You were sharing with me about another mom that you had gotten with, you know, a lot of people would say, well, you can just go to a regular grief group, which are great. That's great. That is a great, but why is this group important for our special needs families? You know, finding another mom that has lived through such a very similar situation where we lived in the hospital and our entire world revolved around our children's needs. You know, can we go and do this around this medicine time? Um, There's this, you know, and I'm not, you know, lessening anybody else's loss. Right. Across Losses, loss. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. Losses. Um, but, you know, for me personally, it was like my whole life, my whole purpose in life was to care for my son. Um, you know, get him to his therapies, get him the medicines he needs, the treatments he needs. And when he's gone, when he, when he, when I first lost him, there was this void in my life of what now I was going to be happy being his caregiver the rest of my life. Um, And then there's also this guilt um, over decisions you made for your child. Like, should we have done this therapy instead? Should we have not done that therapy or that, you know, operation or surgery? Would that have gotten him, you know, here longer? There's this guilt. There's, there's so much, there's this, you know, all of these weird things I was talking to my other my other mom friend about how it's weird to miss the hospital and it's like those nurses those doctors they were our friends Mm -hmm. you know they were there for me all through my pregnancy and then the birth of my child they saw my daughter raise up from the time when you know she was in a bassinet next to my chair at night um to where she was walking down the hall knowing everybody by name there's this big void of this entire life um is different. Our family's life is completely different. Um, guilt over doing things that you know you wouldn't have been able to do with your child around. Um, it's just, you know, it's a different kind of loss that very few people can understand. And there's really mixed feelings in with that over, you know, I used to hate the hospital and now I kind of miss, you know, our hospital family. Um, your sister worked yeah. on the ICU floor and it was so nice to meet her and to reminisce about some of the doctors and nurses that she's kept up with. And, um, you know, it's just um, a very different kind of loss when you've been a caregiver. It's, it's hard to put into words and for people to explain, you know, for you to be able to explain to people you, how this has impacted your life. You know, I was a caregiver for Jeff. And so when he passed away, you know, I was a caregiver for John Alex and Jeff at the same time. So you do that sense of guilt, that sense of what if we had done this, that sense of 
you know, I'll never forget right after Jeff passed away. It was probably like one of the first few days we were home after everything had, you know, the funeral and all of that. And I'm like, I'm not setting up a dialysis machine. I'm not doing wound care. I'm not doing, you know, all these things I did for his care. And you're like, it was this lost feeling. Like it's hard to put into words. Yeah. What that's like, unless you've experienced that. And so that is why we want to provide a time for moms, dads, parents who have lost a child to come and have a com- be able to have a conversation with other parents who get it and understand. And so we've got our first meeting set up and it's going to be on Tuesday, June 15th at 11 central, and it will take place via zoom. And so Rosie and I will both be there and we just want to um, invite any parent out there who may possibly be listening, who has lost a child either recently or years, years ago. Um, you, if you've, if it's been a long time since you've lost a child, please come join in because you can share your journey to help other younger parents or parents who have just lost their child, um, know how to navigate through all this. So it's open to, to any parent who has lost a child at any point in time, a child with special needs. And, um, I'm just excited that we're going to be able to bring these parents together and give them an opportunity to share. So thanks for helping with that. Thank you. I'm very excited about it. This is just as much for me as it is for everybody else, you know? And like you said, um, even if it's been years, I feel like this, this void is going to be here forever. Mm -hmm. Um, so, and I'm, I'm grateful for the friend that I had who, um, was my person to talk to and tell me it's okay. Yeah. I miss the hospital too. And I, you know, I've stayed in contact with this nurse. So having somebody else, and that was the same with special needs life, you know, having somebody else who can um, understand it and knows a little bit of what you're feeling um, has helped tremendously. And I'm so excited to get together with other moms. Well, I appreciate it so much. And we will have a link in the show notes for a form that you can fill out if you want to know more, if you want to sign up to join this group. So be sure to check that out. And Rosie, thank you so much for joining me today and for sharing part of your story. There's so many more layers to your story. I'm going to have to bring you back because there's so many other things I want to talk to you about. And I want people to know about, about you and your story. Uh, So we'll have to plan another time for you to come back. But um, I'm super proud of you and I'm super proud just how you have chosen to take this incredibly tragic, hard thing and hand it to God and let him use it to bring healing to you. And now you're going to help bring healing to others. So thank you, friend. Isn't it amazing? God is so good. Thank you for listening to the Rising Above Ministries podcast. If you like what you hear, please take a minute to leave us a rating and review. This helps others like you find our content more easily. You can learn more about how Rising Above Ministries is encouraging the special needs community by checking out our website at risingaboveministries.org or by finding us on Facebook and Instagram. We look forward to connecting with you.